to protect yourself from the cost of long-term care is to have good estate planning documents. Typically, this would include several powers of attorney and then a last will and testament. For some people, it might include a trust too, but not everybody. Like Kristen said, if you guys get nothing else out of this presentation today, please get this one thing. The most important thing you can do to protect yourself right now is to put good powers of attorney in place. A power of attorney is just a written legal document that appoints somebody else to be able to make financial and healthcare decisions on your behalf. But why are they so important? Well, let's talk about the risks of not having them. If you don't have powers of attorney and something happens where you're unable to make your own decisions, then your loved ones must seek what's called a legal guardianship. This is a process through the court system where the family must ask a judge to appoint a guardian to make financial and healthcare decisions on your behalf. This process is costly, it's time consuming, and then at the end of the day, you lose control because it's up to the judge to appoint who will be making decisions for you. It may or may not be the person you'd appoint for yourself. Believe it or not, even your spouse can't step in and automatically make decisions for you. So by not having a power of attorney, you could really limit what your spouse is able to do as far as finances go if you can't take care of that yourself. This could even end up impoverishing your spouse, which we never want to see that happen. Our office provides each client with four separate powers of attorney, a financial power of attorney, a healthcare power of attorney, a, uh, a financial power of attorney, a healthcare power of attorney, a living will, and a mental health power of attorney. When you have these four documents, it's most likely that whoever you appoint as your power of attorney will be able to step in no matter what the situation is if they need to, and they can handle, you know, whatever happens in the future, because none of us know what that's actually going to look like. And so we want to make sure that if we trust somebody else, that they're able to step in whenever it really matters. Okay, so we know the powers of attorney are very important, but how do you know who to appoint as your power of attorney or your agent? This is a very personal decision for each client. We do get this question quite often. Um, it depends on who you trust and who is capable of taking on the responsibility if they need to. For some people, it's going to be their spouse or their children. For others, it's going to, it could be a fam another family member or it could be a friend. You can actually appoint more than one person if you'd like, and you can decide if you want those people to act individually or if you want them to act jointly in all decisions. Keep in mind, though, that if they are appointed jointly, then that means they will have to make decisions jointly and all checks and things like that will actually have to be signed um, by every one of your powers of attorney. So that could be tedious in some situations, especially if some of these uh, powers of attorney live across the country or in other states. But the bottom line is that you should appoint someone who you trust and who is responsible. It might also make sense to appoint different people over different documents. For example, if you have someone who's great with finances or is in banking, it might make sense to have that person in control of the finances. But then if you have somebody else who's more involved in the healthcare field, like a nurse, maybe make that person the healthcare agent. So you don't have to appoint the same person over every document. These, these can be um, drafted you know, to actually suit your situation. If you do have a power of attorney and you signed it, 
before 2015, it would be a really good idea to have an elder law attorney review that just to make sure it still includes everything that it needs to. The reason for that is the law changed at that point in time. Now the documents have gotten a lot longer because the laws say that if it's not spelled out in that power of attorney that this person can do something on your behalf, then they're not allowed to do it. So it could be really limiting um, in, some in some situations if the power of attorney doesn't include all the language that it needs to. Everything must be spelled out within the document. Nothing's assumed anymore. Those three to four page power of attorney documents that we used to have years ago, not usually good enough at this point in time. Most of us know that the last will and testament states where your property will go once you pass away. You appoint an executor or a personal representative to administer your estate once you pass away. Basically, they pay your debts and expenses, and then they make sure that whatever money is left over goes to the beneficiaries that you've designated. Keep in mind that not everything passes through your will. If you have an account that has a beneficiary designation, like a life insurance policy or a retirement account, that account will pass to whoever you have designated as the beneficiary, regardless of what your will says. Same if you have an investment or a brokerage account that has a payable on death designation or a transfer on death designation, these will work just like beneficiary designations. So whoever you have appointed will receive the money when you pass away. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about trust. Don't worry, I'm not going to bog you down with all the dirty details about trust because let's face it, they can be a little bit complicated, but we really did think it would be important to touch base um, on, on what trusts are used for. That way you guys can at least be thinking about these in case they would be beneficial for you. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard of someone that put their house into a trust or you've seen in the newspaper that someone sold their house to a trust for a dollar. So lots of people are actually doing this, but it only makes sense you know, for certain people. So what is a trust? A trust is just a written legal document that lays out rules. The rules say who will be in charge of the trust assets, how the assets can be used, and where the assets will go over time. In order to get assets into a trust, we do have to transfer them in. So for real estate, that means we have to actually sign a new deed, transferring the house or the property into the trust. And for a bank account or another type of more of a liquid account, we would have to actually go to the bank and open a bank account in the trust's name. The trust will name one or more people to be in charge of the trust. These would be the trustees. The trust also names the people who will receive money or distributions from the trust. These would be the trust beneficiaries. And then sometimes there's also what we call trust protectors, and they are used in, our in most of our trusts to help you pull money back out if you end up needing some of the trust money in the future. For some trusts, it doesn't make sense to actually have trust protectors, but in other situations it does. So just so you guys know what, what we're talking about there. Keep in mind, there are many, many reasons for setting up a trust. Trusts are not just for rich people. We've set up trusts for less than $50,000 in some situations. I would not recommend that for everybody, but there are situations where it made sense, and we've done that. Also, there are some people that have lots and lots of money, millions of dollars, and it might not make sense for them to have a trust. So trusts are not just used for people who have money. There are also a lot of different types of trusts for, for particular situations, which were just listed in that last slide. 
But one of the differences that you're going to hear quite often is revocable and irrevocable trusts. Anytime Kristen and I are trying to protect a client's assets from the cost of long-term care, we use an irrevocable trust. And we, we draft all types of trusts in our office, but this irrevocable trust that I'm talking about now, this is probably the most common type of trust that we do set up. Um, just because it's really, really um, a practical way to try to protect assets against the, the cost of long-term care. In Pennsylvania, only irrevocable trusts offer protection against creditors like the nursing home or the state. Whereas if it was a revocable trust, we would use that just to avoid probate in some situations, the probate process through the court system, sometimes to avoid certain taxes like federal estate tax, or we've also used these trusts for a blended family. Like if you want to lock in the estate plan that you and your spouse have come up with and you want to make sure that the surviving spouse can't change that later on, we would use a revocable trust. Revocable means that the assets we put into the trust can easily be moved back out and the terms of the trust are very easy to change. Basically, if you set up a trust like that today, you can you know, basically turn it, terminate it tomorrow and take everything back out. And it's super easy to do so. Irrevocable sounds a little bit scarier. It's more difficult to get the assets back out of the trust and the terms of the trust often can't be changed without court intervention. But believe it or not, you still maintain a lot of power and flexibility, even if some of your assets do go into an irrevocable trust. For instance, if you put your home into an irrevocable trust, you still have the power to sell it. You can even use the proceeds from selling your, your current house to purchase a new house if you wanted to. And you don't need anybody else to give their blessing for that. You get to do that on your own. That's just one example. But why do we use trusts? Why not just outright gift some of these assets to children or to your relatives? Well, Kristen's actually going to address more on this shortly, but by using a trust, you get to keep power and control over your own assets. You don't have to worry about your children spending the assets or maybe losing the assets if your children get divorced. By using an irrevocable trust in particular, you get to keep your assets, but also protect those assets from possible long-term care costs. So you get the best of both worlds. It's a win-win for a lot of these situations, especially if you do indeed end up needing long-term care. So what do you need to do? What steps do you need to take to get to that fast money bonus round? Well, your first step to get to these valuable legal documents is to meet with an elder law attorney. Elder law attorneys are the attorneys that you will deal with for many of your second half of life situations, whether it's retirement, planning for long-term care, planning for, for death. So meet with an elder law attorney to review any current documents that you have in place. Also, you want to get good, good powers of attorney or get good documents if you don't have those. Um, remember, that's the, having those documents is really going to be the foundation to avoid putting your family in a bad situation, like guardianship that we talked about, impoverishment, or, or family feuds. John and Denise Satzler were in your shoes before they met with us. Afterwards, they said, thank you so very much for the exceptional services. The financial investment we made in your firm is suitable, for we now have peace of mind in regards to our estate planning. 